football news. Welcome to the Golden Black Radio pregame show as we get you set for Saturday's kickoff. Now here's your host, Kyle Charter. Boilermakers have a game to play as they travel to Orlando to take on LSU in the Citrus Bowl on Monday afternoon. It's an opt-out game for the Boilermakers and the Tigers. So we'll see what shakes out in this one. Kyle Charters here, Tom Deanhart as well. We'll talk to Alan Karpik also on the Gold and Black Radio pregame show. Uh, unfortunately, Tom, that has been uh, a big topic is the opt-outs, not only for Purdue, which we know about uh you know, pretty close here, especially all of those uh, on offense. But LSU has had its fair share of opt-outs or injuries or uh, what have you here as well. It will make for a little bit different of a game on Monday down there in the Sunshine State than perhaps if these two teams played during the regular season. Yes, indeed. And just to let you know, Kyle, I am not opting out. (laughs) <laughs> I have decided to play the game. I will suit up and show up. Yeah. But, yeah, you're right. Opt-outs, unfortunately, have always seemed to be a storyline for bowl games in this day and age, right? We all understand the reasoning here. And for Purdue, the opt-outs have been well-documented. You know, LSU is not going to have any sympathy, though. They've had their own share of uh, opt-outs, as you alluded to, uh, Kyle, you know, um, just lost probably the best wide receiver this week. Decided to opt out and turn pro and focus on the draft. So, you know, they're down three defensive linemen. They're down a, a cornerback. Um, they, they, they start a couple of true freshman offensive tackles and a true freshman um, tight end. So, yeah, they've, uh, they're still talented. Don't get me wrong. But, but uh, you know, LSU's had its share of issues with injuries and opt-outs as well. You know, of course, for Purdue, it's no Aiden O'Connell. It's uh, no Charlie Jones, no Payne Durham. Those are the big ones offensively. It will be an Austin Burton-led uh, led group. What do you think Purdue looks like uh, on offense on Monday? You'd think they could still be pretty functional, right? But Austin Burton's no neophyte. Um, been in the program for three years. He's a sixth-year senior. Um, true, he hasn't played a lot of football since he got to Purdue for the 2020 season, Kyle Wright. He has the one start at Purdue, which took place this year, led the Boilermakers to a victory over Florida Atlantic. So, he, again, he can run the offense. He knows the plays. And uh, pretty athletic. Maybe not quite as accurate as Aiden O'Connell, but he, he can, uh, you, know, uh, you, know, you know, run this offense. And, um Sure, Charlie Jones is gone. You can't replace his playmaking ability, but I think we all will agree Purdue has some decent options still at receiver with Sheffield and, you know, Mershon Rice and, and guys of that ilk, Deion Burks. So there's still some options there. Tyrone Tracy. You still have Devin Mockaby, right? So you have your running back, Dylan Downing. The big worry to me is really the offensive line, Kyle. Well, one guy you didn't mention is Spencer Holstitch, the number one left guard. Yeah. Hit the portal. He hit the portal December 5th and quickly landed at UCLA. So, you know, you look back at this line, Kyle, you're missing Holstead. You're missing Gus Hartwig. You're missing Daniel Johnson. You're missing Cam Craig. Kyle, those are all guys who started games at some point this year. So, yeah, the, the starting five's pretty solid, Kyle. But if there are any injuries or attrition during the game, he's going to dip into an offensive line depth chart that's pretty dicey. You suspect Purdue will try to run the ball a little bit more here with a you know a, a more mobile quarterback in Burton, you know with Maccabee out there, obviously, 
seems to me that might be an avenue for Purdue's offense to function a little bit better uh, with mm-hmm. all the changes in personnel that they have. That's a great point. I think you're exactly right. Play to, play to some of Burton's strengths, right? Um, some of the times we've seen him during his career, he's been brought in as a designated runner in some down and distance situations. So uh, maybe we'll see some options. We saw some of that this year, even with Aiden O'Connell. We know what Mockby can do, right? Certainly want to lean on him. And, of course, a big storyline is going to be, can Devin Mockaby reach the 1,000-yard mark? He's 80 away, so he, he's close. So, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Try to establish that run. And that obviously, too, will keep the ball away from LSU's offense, which, you know, Kyle, if you, if you caught any glimpse of Jaden Daniels, you know what a special quarterback LSU has in uh, the Arizona State transfer. Yeah, really good. Uh, running the football, really good throwing the football. Uh, he will be a challenge, to say the least. Uh, so Purdue's been in this situation before where it's been coached by an interim during a bowl game. I was mm. down there uh, in Dallas. <laughs> Purdue took on Oklahoma State in the heart of Dallas Bowl. It did not go very well uh, for Purdue, to say the least. It was a it was an ugly game. Um, is Purdue going to be better off this time around? trying to take on a a quality LSU team, obviously, one that's got a lot of talent, though it does have some opt-outs, and it does have, I think, some weaknesses out there, some of which we've talked about already. But uh, these are not easy situations. I'm not just talking about for Purdue, but these are difficult situations for for any team that is going through a coaching change, trying to play in a bowl game. It's not to say you can't win the game, but it's, it's a little bit more of a challenge, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. He still got the battle scars from that that, <laughs> that hard of Dallas Bowl. I think it was 58 to 14. It really wasn't even that close. Patrick Higgins is the answer to the trivia question, Kyle. Yeah. Purdue's last interim head coach for a bowl game. Enter Brian Brom. Hopefully his fate's better than Patrick Higgins. And you know what, Kyle? I think maybe if you're Purdue, right, there's no pressure. Um, expectations are pretty much nil, right? Um uh, most fans seem like they've slumped their shoulders and let out a heavy sigh with all the attrition that we've talked about the opt-outs. But again, sometimes you can just go in loose and free. And like I said, play pressure free, have fun, let it all hang out, man. All the pressure's on LSU, right, Kyle? They're the double-digit favorite. And that's a nice catbird seat to sit in for a team so uh, maybe that mindset will help Purdue and also maybe just to circle the wagons mindset too right yeah. hey let's 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 if it's us against the world we're we still got talented guys here let's show everybody that just because we lost these players we still gonna be a pretty good football team yeah that's a good point and Purdue was an underdog to Tennessee in Nashville just a year ago a lot of the same players for the Boilermakers probably remember that Purdue not as heavy an underdog a year ago, but an underdog nonetheless in a, in a pretty difficult environment. So mm-hmm. maybe the, uh, the memory back to then helps as well. All right. Plenty more to go on uh, the show for today. We will, uh, we'll talk to Alan Karpik, get his thoughts on some of the other happenings around the big 10. We'll do that. And much more. This is golden black radio. Dissolve your limitations and experience a deeper connection with your mind and body through a series of wellness workshops. Join Sand Valley for curated weekends that provide an opportunity to detach yourself and develop new tools that will change your life. 
Sign up today to discover new ways to speak to your body. To reserve your stay, call 844-277-0191 or visit sandvalleypursuits.com front slash events. Hello from News 18. I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. The Boilermakers will be down in Orlando, Florida, taking on LSU with a kickoff timer on 1 p.m. on Monday. With the Boilers playing in the Sunshine State, the state motto will live up to its name. The weather looks to be fantastic. Morning temperatures will be in the upper 60s. By kickoff, temperatures will be near 75, with highs for the day during the game will be around 79. Expect east-southeast winds 5 to 10 miles per hour with partly to mostly sunny skies. Also, slightly humid conditions will be likely throughout the game as well. Overall, your typical Florida weather is in store for our Boilermaker football team. From News 18, I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist David Seipel. Boiler up, hammer down. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-587-3185 to talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-587-3185. It's time to break it down as we go in-depth about Purdue's opponent. Hey, we're really pleased to be joined by Shay Dixon, who covers LSU as part of uh, the burgeoning on three network and uh, Shay is a very familiar scribe who's covered LSU for years. And Shay, we appreciate you joining us, sir. And let's get right to it. Kind of tell Purdue fans what they can expect from this LSU offense uh, in the citrus bowl. Yeah. Look, the last time out LSU set the sec championship game passing record with two different quarterbacks. Jaden Daniels played the first half and, Garrett Nussmeyer played the second half. Jaden was injured uh, and wasn't able to return, but they went over 500 yards against Georgia, uh, and it was a really nice day for them through the air. Now, granted, they were playing catch-up the whole game, so um, that was a big reason that uh, they shifted towards uh, a much less balanced offense attack and and really threw the ball a lot. Uh, I think going into this one, you can expect to start. uh, Jaden Daniels will be back. He's healthy. He's at the bowl game. Uh, It appears he's good to go after battling what was a a lingering ankle issue kind of the, on the back end of the season uh, through the final couple of games, few games really. Uh, now he's had a month to rest, so that's good news on that front. I think it will be a true balanced attack. They want to be able to run to set up the pass. Jaden Daniels, if fully healthy, does run a lot, uh, whether it's designed or just scrambles, keeping plays alive. So I would expect a much more 50-50 in terms of uh, pass and run. But look, again, LSU is without its star receiver in Keishon Butte, who um, has decided to go pro and will not be playing in this game. Uh, but they do have a number of good, solid wide receivers behind him that they'll lean on. Uh, and in the running game, it's sort of a, a multi-headed monster. Josh Williams will be back for LSU. Uh, he had been banged up some. Uh, you've got Armani Goodwin out for the year. So then it becomes uh, really Noah Kane and John Emery uh, as the other two guys. They'll play a good amount. So 
it's not one of these LSU teams where one or two guys just sort of does it all for them uh, beyond Jaden, who, you know, if he does have a day where he's running the football a lot from the quarterback position, uh, he can kind of dominate the offensive stat sheet. Um, we'll see how it unfolds, but uh, I do think LSU is about is at full strength um, health-wise as they've been, and they didn't have, certainly compared to Purdue, um, the number of opt-outs, which I think will be pretty key for them. Okay, defensively, I know the line's going to be missing some key guys for, for LSU. Sort of give Purdue fans a sense of what to expect from that Bayou Bengal defense. Yeah, look, uh, on the very first defensive series of the season uh, against Florida State in week one, their best defensive player, Mason Smith, uh, tore his ACL, uh, and that was a big blow for them. Obviously, he won't be back for this one. But Ali Gay, who starts on the D-line, has opted out and uh, of this game and will be turning pro. So they're down a couple of bodies there. They are a little banged up on the defensive line, and they're not that deep to start with. So I think that that's one big area to look for if you're on the Purdue staff is how do you attack this sort of LSU defensive front, um, certainly at least on the defensive line that's going to be uh, down a number of key players. Now on the second level, Harold Perkins has become one of the most talked about freshmen in the country. He's had a phenomenal rise from being a five-star coming out of high school, top-rated linebacker, uh, to just taking on special teams work, doing a little bit more strictly rushing of the passer, and now developing into kind of a full-time linebacker role um, slash edge rusher. Uh, he'll be one that pretty much will be the the central kind of focal point of the defensive attack for LSU. And they're very multiple, um, which I think will help them in this game being down uh, some defensive guys. And again, in the secondary, I look, and it reminds me of probably a lot of how Purdue fans feel about this one when they look at some key spots on their team and guys opting out. LSU isn't deep at DB, and they've already had guys who have announced they're turning pro and won't be playing in this game. They've had to move a safety in Jay Ward to corner just to have enough corners uh, to be able to play in this game. Um, it will be if Purdue is able to throw the football, get time, protection, uh, and throw it downfield. I think that's going to be an area that could potentially be successful for them, given that LSU is um, going to have to play some guys that normally would not be getting uh, the sort of run that they're getting in a big game like this. So defensively, this will not be the LSU that you're used to seeing um, just in terms of star power, but uh, it'll be a good chance for LSU fans, at least, to see what some of the guys who are next in line and will be you know, leaned upon next year a lot more uh, what they're able to bring to the table and, and get some quality reps in. All right, Shay, how do you see this thing unfolding? I think LSU is about a two-touchdown favorite here. Probably will be a lot of uh, Tiger fans in Orlando. Uh, give us your assessment, Hound. How do you see this game unfolding on January 2nd? Yeah, kudos to all those people who got uh, the, the, the LSU at three points or whatever it would, would have been at the time, uh, three and a half when it opened, because uh, I think it can just be summed up easily by that number ballooned to double digits when Purdue's players started opting out of the game. And obviously the coaching changes makes things really difficult in that regard. Um, for LSU, though, uh, look, they've – this was one I thought right when the games got announced, like right when Purdue had lost to Michigan, LSU had lost to Georgia. It was, well, these are two, this will be a great game. These are two very even teams. They're very gritty. They play uh, a physical brand of football. It'll be really fun to watch them. Unfortunately, they've had some LSU key players opt out. Purdue obviously has been hit by a number of that as well. So I see it playing out. I think LSU will win the game. I don't think it will be by double digits. I still think this will be a really, 
kind of well-fought game into the f- fourth quarter. Um, and it'll be intriguing to see kind of what Purdue does, you know, shifting from the prior coaching staff and, and obviously to kind of a new look and, and some new guys out there uh, that LSU may not have a lot of film on. So I, do, I don't think this is a double-digit win for LSU. I think this would be a tight game uh, all the way into the fourth quarter and uh, should make for a pretty good uh, welcome into the new year, uh, despite what I think uh, Vegas thinks about it. Should be interesting. Shay Dixon, the Bengal Tiger, part of the On3 Network. Thank you very much for stopping by. I look forward to seeing you down in Orlando here, sir. Anytime, and uh, best of luck to the Boilermakers and uh, and safe travels to all the fans uh, getting down here. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. All right, let's bring back in Tom Deanhart, talk a little bit uh, about the Boilermakers. You know, Tom, there are sort of two tracks here that, that Purdue is headed down, uh, right? I mean, there's the bowl game um, and and sort of that track with uh, Brian Brom and, and Mark Hagan uh, filling out their duties here in, in West Lafayette. Then there's the other one that is sort of, you know, the future of the program and what Ryan Walters is is trying to accomplish as the new head football coach. And it seems like he's gotten off to a good start. The staff is starting to come together. Uh, they did go out and get a quarterback and a good one and Hudson card out of the transfer portal. Uh, you know, they've had some opt outs as well, which are, were, are going to happen. I think uh, anytime there is a coaching change, but what do you think, I guess of the first, what are we here? Nearly a month, three, three to four weeks into the uh, tenure of Ryan Walters. Yes, a lot on his uh, to-do list. Um, uh, He talked about the transfer portal a little bit, Kyle, and that's obviously front and center, I think, for Ryan Walters at this point. Um, Open for business December 5th. This 45-day window will close January 18th. So, And usually, Kyle, you got to get guys in school before the second semester starts. And for Purdue, their winter semester starts January 9th, I believe, on that Monday. So, again, um, if guys are coming in, it's going to have to happen in the next couple of weeks, right? Maybe a guy can, can roll a week late, but I digress. So, yeah, Hudson Card, uh, he's got three years of eligibility from Austin, Texas, Lake Travis High School. Their rival high school, of course, is Austin Westlake, which is Drew Brees' high school way back in the day. And, yeah, I think Drew, Drew played a role in helping get Hudson Card to West Lafayette, Kyle. Talked to him and his dad and obviously sold him on the virtues of Purdue. Sure, beyond the football, what, what it means to you academically as well. So, uh, you know, not a, not a real big guy, about 6'2", 190, mobile, smart kid. Uh, started five games in Austin over his three years down there and, and gives, I think, Graham Harrell, the offensive coordinator, a sort of a dual threat quarterback, Kyle which I think they really want a guy that can not only throw it, but can also improvise and make some plays with some design runs too. 
You mentioned it's Drew Brees' alma mater. You you left out, and I can't believe you did this, that it's also current Colts quarterback Nick Foles' alma mater. <laughs> Austin Westlake, you're right. And of course, Lake <laughs> Travis is the alma mater of Baker Mayfield. So they've got their uh, famous alums over there, too. Yeah. No, I, I think that, you know, that it has the makings of – a good offense next year for Purdue if it can get a couple of more pieces out of the transfer mm-hmm. portal. I mean, you know, I think you like the direction Purdue went with the offensive coordinator. Uh, mm-hmm. Card seems like a good fit as a quarterback. You probably need a little bit more depth on the offensive mm-hmm. line um, and probably need some targets out there uh, for the quarterback to throw to as well, right? I mean, the Mm-hmm. Looking at it from an offensive point of view, you think that there are probably some pieces that that you know maybe could make this thing work a little bit in 2023, but probably need to fill that out a little bit also. Yeah, I'm like you know, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic. We're a long way from the opener against Fresno State, but I'm like you. Um, first of all, you have to hope there's no more guys hit the portal for Purdue, right? Offensively, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Uh, you know, the, the two guys you'd hate to lose would be those those redshirt freshman offensive linemen, Musa and, and Bo. So uh, just stay tuned. I'm not saying something's going to happen. But, again, I'm like you, Kyle. Offensive line, you need at least to bring in two portal guys. They did that last year. Remember, they brought in Sione Finau and Daniel Johnson. Last year, they brought in three portal wide receivers. And I think they probably need to bring in three this year as well. So, and, and again, we, we talked off air about the tight end position. That's going to be interesting to see how a tight end is used in this, in this you know, air raid concept offense of Graham Harrell's, um, where they want a big, thick guy. They want more of an H-back. So maybe you need some type of a tight end. But Garrett Miller is due to come back. So, you know, Mockaby as well. So there are, there's, some, there's some nice pieces there. But like you said, offensive line, the wide receiver seem to be the two biggest portal needs on that side of the ball. Yeah. What about on the – I mean – Everything, all of the above, E, fill it out on the defensive side? <laughs> Probably really honestly most any position, especially I think the, the back end, linebacker yeah. and, and secondary. We've talked a lot, I know, this year, me and you, just about the linebacking core, how they really need to just upgrade athletically, I think, with speed as well. They're due to have back OC brothers and Clyde Washington and Jacob Wahlberg. But, um, again, I, I think you could use – some more dynamic ability at that at that position. And the secondary too, right? I mean, Trice is gone. You have fifth year seniors and Bryce Hampton and Reese Taylor and Jamari Brown. Your two safeties are back, Cam Allen and Snoozy Kane. But again, cornerback, 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 my friend. You know, Ryan Walters is a defensive guy. And if he wants to do what he wants to do on that side of the ball, you know he's going to need some stud cornerbacks. So that's going to be a big area of need, I would think, out of the portal. And uh, the coaching staff uh, will continue to get filled out here, I, I would imagine, between gosh, now and spring practice. will start before we know it here in, like, what, six weeks or something. Uh, Nuts. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. They're yeah, you're probably right. About, probably about halfway there on the staff. Is that where they are? Where they got six, six? Are they at six yet? Yeah. First, first uh, I think the first big next date is February 1st. That's the second signing period that's when that starts right yeah. it used to be the only signing period but uh they're actually gonna have a press conference for that signing day i heard kyle so we'll hear from ryan walters see if he adds anybody who are freshmen and he can obviously talk about portal guys at that point too um so yeah you're right um the staff though 
Yeah, right now we've got Graham Harrell, offensive coordinator, and Kevin Kane, defensive coordinator. Those hires have been announced by the university. We've reported some other hires, but have not. The school has not announced those yet. Our running uh, wide receivers coach Corey Patterson from Illinois, um, Joe Deneen, an outside linebackers coach, he came from Illinois. Grant O'Brien's secondary coach, he came from Illinois as well. So uh, those are other reported hires. So you need an offensive line coach, you need a running backs coach, you need a tight ends coach. And on defense, you need a D-line coach, and you also need a special teams coach. So I think that's about five coaches that still need to be hired. So, And then all the infrastructure guys, too, right? The strength coach and that staff and the recruiting staff. So there, there's a lot still to be filled in here for, for Ryan Walters as he assembles his, his, his maiden staff. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, <laughs> the school has not announced those yet, but the guys individually on Twitter have. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, not, we've seen that too. You're right. Not a, not it's a no secret. Anymore. It's no secret. You're right. So yeah, they've uh, you know, Corey Patterson's a good receiver. He's a good recruiter. He coached actually running backs at Illinois, but he says he's going to coach receivers for Purdue. Um, and Grant O'Brien and uh, and Joe Deneen, boy, they're young guys, especially Deneen Kyle, and they they were really were more. Uh, one guy was a GA, and one guy was an analyst, so they weren't even full time staffers at Illinois last year. So they're really making a big step up here. Yeah. So, uh, and then we, of course, we know about Graham Harrell's resume. Kevin Kane, too. Uh, he, he's he's a guy with some coaching chops, and he was really Ryan Walters' right hand man at Illinois last year. He was his eyes in the sky in the press box, and it sounds like Kevin Kane could probably end up calling the defense at Purdue. He's he's, he's trusted that much by Ryan Walters. Yeah. All right, Tom. Let's take another break. We'll uh, bring you back here. We'll talk some matchups with LSU. We'll do that uh, in just a bit. You're listening to Gold and Black Radio. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill. Industrial and classic, the restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event at the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. East End Grill and Downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. What else is going on around the league? Let's take a look. It's the Big Ten Roundup. All right, let's bring in Alan Carpenter to talk a little bit of Big Ten football in the bowl season. Let's check out five games uh, other than, of course, Purdue and LSU. We will skip the Maryland-NC State game uh, that is happening on Friday night and jump right to some of the Saturday games. Let's let's tackle uh, first Iowa-Kentucky. We'll bounce toward those games on, on Monday and then back to the uh, – the two semifinal games. Okay, Iowa's playing Kentucky in the Music City Bowl on Saturday at noon. Uh, the over-under in this this game is 31, Alan, 31 points. Yikes. The lowest over-under in college football history. Now, I don't know how long that how long they've been measuring, measuring over-unders or what that means, but yes, that is extremely low. And when you think about the fact that Purdue and Tennessee in last year's 
bowl put up 93 it would take uh 12 maybe 12 to 16 quarters of iowa <laughs> and kentucky playing to get to that number one would think you know this is so difficult because just like the odds makers i don't know how anybody's doing this you know you've got obviously kentucky's quarterback will levis is out you know opting out i i was down to its third string quarterback um Help me make heads or tails of this thing. Uh, uh, somebody said the best prediction of that game would be eleven to four or eleven to nine. Uh, it's going to be a field goal fest, which maybe may help Iowa. Caleb Johnson did show he could run for a lot of yards, and you got to think Iowa's going to do that against against try to run the ball against Kentucky. Um, but uh, I, again, I can't see that this one's going to be real real stunningly exciting uh, based on the fact of the opt outs. Well, I'm confident in Iowa's third-string quarterback because he plays behind a really good first-string quarterback <laughs> yeah. and, a, and a really great second-string quarterback, so he's got to be a fantastic third-string quarterback. That That but, is uh, true. Might be a little bit of sarcasm there. Perhaps. Joe Labus, third-string, three-star quarterback out of Ohio. Uh, don't know a whole lot about him. He will be making, as a redshirt freshman, his first uh, pass attempt. Uh, heck, uh, uh, Austin Burton's got him beat by a long shot, <laughs> the way I look yeah. at it. Okay, let's jump ahead to the games on uh, Monday, a couple of them, other than Purdue and LSU in the Big Ten. Noon kickoff uh, for the uh, I don't even know what it is. <laughs> that well, would be former, Mississippi State, Illinois, right? Yeah, the the former Outback Bowl. I don't know what it's called anymore. Rely uh, Quest, for gosh sakes. Oh, of course. I just I'm, I feel bad for the media people down there that don't get to enjoy the blooming onion uh, that we all did way back in, <laughs> in uh, 2000 at the Outback Bowl, with is now the Relia Quest Bowl. Uh, Illinois taking on number 22 Mississippi State. The Illini are uh, underdogs now in this one, though. I think that line has has moved pretty significantly now. Uh, Mississippi State minus one and a half. Opt outs again affect the lines, and Chase Brown is not playing in this game, uh, along with some guys on defense, along with Illinois' coaching staff being at Purdue, at least three, four, five of them, however many the number is yeah, three. at this point. Uh, that matters as well. So uh, offense versus defense, it feels like, in, in this game. Yes. I mean, I, obviously, there's a storyline with Mike Leach and the tragic tragedy there and how will Mississippi State react to that. But in Mississippi State in the air raid offense, which we're going to be seeing a lot of in West Lafayette here in the next few years, but Devin Witherspoon, the cornerback out, also Sidney Brown, too, safety, or safety, that uh, could spell some problem for Illinois. Illinois, they talk about Illinois' physicality. I mean, Michigan talks about that was the toughest uh, street fight they were in all year. So the fighting line under Brett Bielema will have to, do, have to be able to impose that, one would think, against Mississippi State. How Mississippi State comes out, uh, obviously, will be uh, emotionally in that game uh, will be interesting. Also, an interesting sidebar to see how that game plays out. Five o'clock start uh, out there in Pasadena, the Rose Bowl, uh, number 11, Penn State against number eight, Utah. Utah favored by a couple of points in this game, but a chance uh, for the Nittany Lions uh, against a, a good opponent again to sort of I don't know, put a a stamp on a game I think that does, in my opinion, still has some relevance in the in the Rose Bowl. 
It does. It's because it's such a such a great game, and the proverbial pageantry. Sean Clifford could put a put a nice uh, uh, stamp on his six year career by getting Penn State a win out there. I think it, you have to go back to the 1990s, right? Since they've won out there when they because they played USC last time and were beaten. But this is uh, again, uh, I, I think that I, I I've said this about every show that I've never been all that impressed with Penn State, but they keep keep putting themselves in the right situation. But Utah, with its win over USC uh, and beating USC twice, certainly gets everybody's attention. Yes, Penn State, I think, won its last four games. Utah won its last two heading into this. But what what does momentum matter anyway when you've been off for four weeks? So yeah, I like Utah in this game uh, just because I think that they, they just might be a little bit better, but it should be an interesting game. And, yes, the Rose Bowl still is the Rose Bowl in my view. All right, let's bounce back to Saturday after everyone has has cried and gotten over that Iowa Kentucky <laughs> bloodbath or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we can recover enough to watch the the back to back semifinal games uh, on Saturday, four o'clock. Uh, number three TCU against number two Michigan. Michigan's favored by a little more than a touchdown in this game. Uh, you know, a chance for the the Wolverines here, I think, against uh, TCU to be able to get into the championship game and give it and the Big Ten a chance. Uh, you know, we'll talk about Ohio State and Georgia here in a moment. It seems like Georgia probably, uh, well, it is the favorite there, but might be the team that, that Michigan would face in that championship game. But this is a good Michigan team. I think it does have an outside chance maybe of getting a national championship. I, I just think it comes down to J.J. McCarthy. He showed me some in the Purdue game, uh, a very unique skill set, seeing him in person. He can, he's can he got a heck of a lot of upside. I know that everybody has already said that, but I just like he's got uh, just a lot of talent back there and a lot of ability to cause problems with his feet, with his arm. Uh, you know, Michigan has got the running game, uh, certainly to, to be good enough uh even without Blake Corum I I just I think in I I just don't think Texas uh Christian TCU is good enough uh Max Dugan is care they, they do throw the deep ball well that can always cause problems in a game if if they can keep it a low scoring game can you get a couple deep balls on Michigan and make it really competitive maybe but I like the Wolverines in this one uh eight o'clock start number four Ohio State number one Georgia, the Bulldogs favored by six and a half. It's been really weird to me, Al, that this has sort of become a referendum here on Ryan Day. I, I don't really oh. get that. I mean, so if he if they lose this game, which they're expected to lose, somehow that makes him like not able to get Ohio State where it needs to go. I, I just I don't understand that. But all that said, Georgia's pretty good. And yeah, I, I think there's like been a lot of talk about yeah. uphill battle for the Buckeyes. Right. I, I, I agree. And I, I think there's some that feel like Georgia might be on a whole other plane than the rest of these teams. Yeah. Ohio State's got so much talent. And and Ryan Day, in my opinion, is a very good football coach. Yes, they got beat by Michigan. They did go uh, 11 and 1, for God's sakes. And, um, and maybe they haven't been as impressive, but they also haven't uh, been able to you know, be at full st- strength. They're not, still not going to be without Smith and Jigba at, at, at receiver. They're still not going to be quite that. If they had him, I really would like their chances to pull the upset. <laughs> I think they'll have some limitations against a Georgia team that, again, may be on a whole other plane than folks. But 
I wouldn't sleep too much on Ohio State. Ohio State's got a lot of weapons, and uh, Ohio State as an underdog isn't very doesn't take to that quite kindly. So uh, I think it's going to be a pretty competitive game. I'd be surprised if it's a runaway. That's the Big Ten Roundup. Let's go back in time with a historical look. Here's Alan Karthik. All right, Al, let's take a historical look at Purdue and LSU. Not much history on those two programs, <laughs> though Purdue, of course, has played Brian Kelly in the past, but not with a lot of success. Purdue is 0-6 versus the Brian Kelly-led Notre Dame teams over the years. So Purdue will be trying to get a victory against the former Fighting Irish head coach. Right. I mean, uh, Danny Hope took three swings at him and swung and missed each time. Daryl Hazel 0-2. And of course, Jeff Brom here a couple of years ago up in South Bend. So uh, in, in 2021, but uh, the, yeah, it, it, Brian Kelly's had Purdue's number. Purdue had some chances to, he, they beat the Central Michigan team, but he wasn't coaching it. Uh, they lost to Cincinnati. He wasn't coaching them either. So <laughs> irrelevant. But uh, if that means anything, yes, Purdue's going to be in for a long afternoon just because Brian Kelly's on the, on the, on the uh, sidelines against the Boilermakers. This will be the fourth time Purdue has played in this football stadium uh, on Monday, a regular season game uh, way back in the day against Central Florida in 1999. Played Georgia, of course, in uh, the Capital One Bowl in 2004, the Champs Sports Bowl in 2006 against Maryland. I was actually at each one of those uh, three games. I will not be at the game on, on Monday, so I'll finally miss – uh, this one down in Orlando, but Purdue has some history in the stadium. They do, and that's not not all that positive, as you've mentioned. Uh, uh, losses certainly in two thousand four and two thousand six. Of course, the two thousand four game and the Ca- Capital One game was a game where Purdue almost pulled its greatest comeback in the history of the program, down twenty four to nothing. Uh, and Kyle Orton, yeah, I could still remember his, uh, I don't know if it was his thumb or his, I think it was his thumb pulled out. Uh, unbelievably, Kyle Smith comes in, throws a pass. Orton comes back in the game, plays terrific, rallies Purdue to overtime. Uh, and then Purdue doesn't get the right bounce at the right time uh, uh, to, to win the game in overtime. So the questionable call, as I recall, in the end zone. But in 1999, Purdue did win in that stadium. Drew Brees' junior year, 47-13, win over Central Florida. Uh, but the 2006 game outside of the uh, Saddam Hussein, and, and, you, and you have written about that a little bit, and, and the, the commemoration of the night of capture, correct? And oh, um, yes. But the game was awful. Purdue gets beat by Maryland 24 to 7. So, you know, Purdue's only won once in the state of Florida, I believe. And that, of course, they played Miami way back in the day. I think they played Miami twice at the U uh, and lost. But they've also lost, uh, um, obviously, with the exception of that 1999 win against Central Florida. Hold on. Now I'm trying to remember my my, uh, Saddam Hussein uh history no that was the that was the night of his death that's right it was the night of his death that's correct he was captured three years earlier okay you got uh, it. History I, knew, I knew it was something big and you said that you were that game was so bad you were paying more attention to that because <laughs> it was an awful football game purdue completely slept walked through that game very very you know purdue usually had relatively competitive bowl 
And certainly under Joe Tiller, had they lost some, but they were always interesting. Uh, that one wasn't interesting. Yeah, that game was played on December 29th, of course, 2006. It, it, he would died on December 30th. Of course, that was where he was. It was a day later, uh, just because that's how it works. But yes, uh, by the second half, we had the news on in the uh, the press uh, box, and we're pretty much done watching the rest of the football game. That's how boring it was. Yeah, it was. I think I think it was a Greg Orton touchdown reception late in the game that may have averted a shutout. I don't know, maybe not, but they did. They it was a it was a very unremarkable. Uh, it was the first time I had a high definition definition TV. Couldn't plug it in correctly and watch the game. It looked like it was snowing out there. Uh, my <laughs> high definition televisions for all of you out there have gotten better. <laughs> there you go. Uh, that's a historical view at Purdue and LSU. Thanks, Al. All right, thanks, Kyle. Back with more, this is Golden Black Radio. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. All right, Tom, let's talk some matchups and give our predictions for this one, Purdue against LSU in the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl in Orlando. Love me some Cheez-Its. Uh-huh. Well, apparently you're not supposed to say Cheez-Its, right? It's just supposed to Cheez-It. Cheez-It, like, that's what like I heard. Plural. Uh, <laughs> all right, one thing that we mentioned a little bit earlier, LSU has two, this is crazy, two true freshmen offensive tackles and uh some of the numbers reflect that because they have given up a lot of sacks this mm. a lot of sacks i think there is a chance for Purdue's defense you know maybe to be able to get after the quarterback a little bit i mean a mobile guy yes but sometimes mobile guys can be brought down in the backfield too especially when you've got an offensive line that is as young as uh the tigers so perhaps there's a chance uh for Purdue's defense to make some things happen on that line of scrimmage. And if it can control LSU's offense a little bit, then give its own offense a little bit time to uh, to find its footing, because I do think there's a possibility it will take Austin Burton and company a little bit of time to figure out what's going to work. Yeah, yeah, good points. And, um, yeah, that uh, the quarterback, Jaden Daniels, boy, 800 yards rushing, 2,000 passing. There's only one other quarterback in America that's achieved those milestones. Uh, the Central Florida quarterback uh, uh, also did it. So he's a dangerous guy. And, you know, with quarterbacks like that, you almost want to – you can't pin your ears back and go get them a lot of times, you know. You got to almost contain them and, and let them dance around back there. And, 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 you know, he can throw the ball, but, boy, sometimes you better off making him try to throw the ball than letting him take off on those runs and – yeah, and, and then then becomes like a, a recess football game, right? Where the fastest guy just starts running around and making plays and running downfield. So, so again, I think Purdue's going to have to be patient here and pick their spots to send pressure. Like I said, I still want to take my chances with him throwing it, then uh, then running it, and um, extending drives, picking up first downs, moving the chain. So, you're right; they do have some issues on that line, 
And we mentioned their wide receiver, the best receiver just opted out, Booty, and true freshman tight end as well. So there's not one stud running back either, but they got capable guys back there, one of them being Noah Kane, the old Penn State running back. So, But it all, it all revolves around Daniels, obviously. He's the fulcrum, and like I said, we're just going to have to be pick their spots when they, when they bring heat and just try to keep him in the pocket as much as they can. All right, so our, our um, uh, history with Brian Brom as Purdue's play caller is, is one game uh, against Iowa a couple <laughs> of years ago. Though in that game, Purdue did seem to run the ball or have a little bit more of an emphasis on running the ball in that contest. It'll be interesting to see you know, sort of what the mix is, especially given Purdue's personnel on on Monday and um, whether with him as the play caller and, you know, with uh, Devin Mockaby and Austin Burton, mm-hmm. uh, that Purdue can try to get something going on the ground and maybe, you know, maybe play against the type that we've sort of seen. I know it's going to be uh, a Brahm offense and, and all of that, but Man, it does just feel to me like if I'm Purdue, I'm trying to control the clock here a little bit and run the football and, and you know, eliminate some possessions in this game. Yeah, shorten the game, right? Yeah. Keep it away from Jaden Daniels. We just we're just gushing about him moments ago. So I agree with you. I don't think I want Austin Burton throwing it 40, 45 times, um, especially without Charlie Jones or Payne Durham. So I'm like you, I think I try to get him comfortable, lean on that ground game. Devin Mock, we even know about, don't forget about Dylan Downing. He's very competent too. And Austin Burton, right? I mean, let Austin Burton have some design runs as well. Play to his strengths, get him comfortable, get him some confidence, get him hit a couple of times and let him ease his way into this game and find a rhythm and loosen up that LSU defense maybe. And like you also said too, Kyle, keep the ball away and control the ball and the clock uh, for some extended stretches. So I think that probably would be a prudent plan of attack if you were the Purdue OC for this game. All right, who you got? I got to go LSU. Uh, you know, I know they're about a 14, 15-point favorite. I'm not sure if they're going to cover, but I sort of see them taking this one about 31-21. Yeah, I've got a very similar outcome. I, I just think that uh, I'm, I'm concerned about Purdue's uh, – Firepower offensively, you know, without uh, without its its usual front line guys, I, and, and the, the offensive line does concern me a little bit too. Not those five guys who will be starting, but man, you're really you're starting to get down on that depth chart farther mm. and farther. So that's a little bit concerning uh, for me as well. Uh, I'll take uh, LSU thirty three to to twenty one. Uh, very similar to your score. I just think that the Tigers have uh, too much offensively for Purdue really uh, to be able to keep up. Uh, but I think Purdue will compete. Um, at least that's the hope, right, even with these uh, these backups in there. Yeah, you hope they compete. You certainly don't want to repeat up the heart of Dallas Bowl. You, you have such fond memories of <laughs> or the uh, more recent vintage 2018 Music City Bowl against Auburn. I believe that was 63 to 14 that really wasn't even that close so yeah. hopefully like you said Purdue uh, can make this a battle be respectable get it into the fourth quarter who knows maybe 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 even have a chance to to pull a stunning upset here uh 
Uh, you just never know. Uh, we, we've seen some crazy outcomes already, some crazy back and forth. So uh, with these rosters so all um, so sort of mishmash units, sometimes crazy things can happen. Thanks, Tom. Take care, buddy. All right, that'll do it for the pregame podcast. If you like the pod, be sure to rate us five stars and leave us a comment as well. Subscribe via your favorite podcast app. Thanks to our sponsors. And for Tom Deanhart and Alan Carpick, I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Gold and Black Radio.